Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of High Action. This is episode 22 of our second season. And as always, I'm happy to be joined by the members of the New West Guitar Group, uh, starting with Will Brom out in uh, Long Beach. Will, how's it going, dude? Going well. How are you? I'm doing pretty well. A little bit of a later start for us on this day, so thank you guys for uh, being flexible with me. John, in your room of guitars, how how is uh, Studio City treating you today? Things are good. Strings are tuned up. Ready to go another week being a musician. That's right. <laughs> the journey continues. And uh, we're pretty stoked for this week to be talking about something that we've been doing for quite a long time in the New West Guitar Group, or really ever since we started, and that is writing and arranging. It uh, is a very vast topic. We could get into so many different areas, arranging for solo guitar, arranging for small ensembles, large ensembles, different styles of arranging. So today we thought we would sort of hone in on the writing and arranging that we've done for our own band, for our quartet, which started as New West Guitar Quartet, and for our trio, which has become the New West Guitar Group. So what I thought I would do is play some examples of our arrangements, talk about how they were sort of conceived, and um, kind of see the evolution of things over, uh, gosh, Don, what has it been, almost 17 years of playing? Yeah, I, I definitely think of it when people ask me about New West now, I'm definitely starting to talk in terms of about 20 years we've been playing together. Because yeah. in 2002, when you and I met, right away we were in an ensemble together. Yeah. And we we started talking about like blending guitar. And um, yeah, man, I mean, I think of it, we're getting up there close to 20 years now. Yeah. Well, it's going to be exciting. And before we get uh, much further in the episode, I just want to make a quick shout out to one of our big supporters uh, a company that's helped us throughout those 17, nearly 20 years. I'm um, speaking about Hendrix and Amps. Uh, we all use them. We all love them. They're great uh, amplifiers for jazz guitar, for acoustic guitar, really for any kind of guitar. But for the three of us that really specialize in the arch top, um, the Hendrickson has been just a real welcome device for us to use on gigs, for us to travel with. Peter Hendrickson, who runs the company, is a real stand-up guy, and they are uh, producing the Rocky Mountain Guitar Festival this fall, which we're also going to participate. So if you're a guitar player in need of an amp, um, check out Hendrickson Amplifiers. They're out in Colorado, and they will hook you up. That's what we use. And don't forget, use the promo code HIGHACTION when you're purchasing an amp because you get a discount. That's right. Very good. Okay, moving right along. Um, Will, let me throw this to you because you were in a unique position to sort of mm -hmm. have to digest these arrangements and the writing mm -hmm. that we've done for New West. And was it 2015 you joined the group? 2015. 20, 2015, right. Mm -hmm. um, and what was that feeling like for you, kind of seeing the book and having... Like yeah. all these intricate arrangements with stuff that had evolved from the recording. So the paper wasn't always 100% accurate all the time. How did you begin to sort of digest some of those songs and arrangements? Well, I mean, the thing about playing in this ensemble is you, you just play slightly differently than you do in a rhythm section, right? Utilizing the articulation thing to the extent that 
all three of us do with our single lines was kind of new to me um, in this context. And I mean, you know, having you guys had really clean charts, so that makes it a lot easier to digest these crazy arrangements. Um, but the tempos and the volume and the tone and the articulation and the blending with the volume pedal, not to mention the memorization is a lot of stuff. You know, it was like, it was terrifying. Right. <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> um, so we're going to go through some of the arrangements that uh, Will's kind of referring to. And I wanted to start with one that I did. I, I believe I was still, yeah, I was still in school when we did this one. This was on our very first record. And John remembers all about this, but it, it was called Introducing New West Guitar Group. And we were all basically writing arrangements for this. And the idea was we had four guitar players at that time. So a big way that we conceptualized our arrangements were kind of like role-based. Um, and I was trying to kind of adapt, okay, let me give this guy the bass line, let me give this guy the melody, maybe I'll give the third player some sort of harmony there. And then sometimes that fourth player, it was sort of tricky to see how they would fit in. And I remember working on the song, All the Things You Are, and part of what I tried to do was sort of team up the four different parts. So if you're looking to arrange for four guitars, that is one way you can consider it, like having two guys play a certain part that you harmonize and then having two other people play a certain part that you harmonize and kind of having that work together. So let's take a quick listen to this arrangement, and we can talk about it on the back end. This is All the Things You Are from our very first album, I think it was like 2005. Here we go. things you are from introducing uh, John do you remember when we brought that one in and we were working it up yeah I remember you sitting in front of ASI with manuscript paper writing it out in pencil and you were showing me some of the stuff on the bridge and I still have somewhere around here I actually have that part that you wrote out because we didn't really even have finale yet I mean we were no. like just getting going with this we were writing you know. it down yeah and Mm -hmm. I think that was one of the first arrangements that I did where I really felt like I could pair off each other. And I right. thought, oh, that sounded, that sounded kind of good, like having these two guys work together in a supportive role or like a counter yeah. melody part and then having two other guitar players harmonized playing some lines, playing some of the melody mm -hmm. and just trying to be creative with it. So, um, Yes, yeah. 
Yeah, go ahead. I also John. remember, like, I was going to say, I remember um, there was such an energy when Brady and Matt and you and I got together because we were all so deep in studying jazz at that time. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think that the fact that we were listening all kind of deeply to that music kind of helped us have this, like, saxophone section kind of approach. And, it, it you know, it was it would have been hard if one of us wasn't listening at all to jazz. I don't think that group would have ever had that sound. It could have had a really cool sound, but um, just that tightness. I remember early on when we just started playing even tunes. Um, I have the first recording of one of the first rehearsals of the band before we even had arrangements when Pat Kelly turned on the Pro Tools rig in, in 101 that they had just put in there. And we played What Is This Thing Called Love? and Olio, and even then we were just had this idea that we would lock things in together. So that arrangement was really impactful on New West because we worked really hard on getting everything really tight and getting the time to feel right, um, like going in and out of a little bit of a walking baseline in a couple of those parts too. You know. Yeah, yeah, that was that was a fun one for us to do, and it, and it kind of um, I don't know, gave us a chance to sort of uh, focus on other things too. Because from young players, from an arrangement standpoint, there's so many ways you can go. And, you know, kind of coming up with a straight-ahead arrangement over a standard was really interesting to us. And we liked the way it sounded. And we had all these nice challenges like you're talking about, John. But I think from an arrangement standpoint, we were all a little bit itching to kind of, like, try to include different guitars. And that's Mm -hmm. when sort of arranging for guitars really opened up for us. Um, and on the second album, uh, we'd played a tune called Shadow Play that I wrote, where I remember this was, I think, probably the first tune that I brought in an acoustic guitar. And so you can see how the role from arranging changed. So instead of having like two people on one side and two people on another side, it was more about having one guitar, the acoustic, kind of be the foundation of everything and having the three other parts sort of interspersed around it. So that's when this uh, arrangement was sort of um, birthed. And this was probably 2006 or seven when we started working on this. Here we go. This is December of 06. It was right before Christmas we went into the studio. December of 06. And you can kind of see how this is sort of a a new concept for us. But it's, it's showcasing bringing in the acoustic guitar with the electric guitars. Here we go. Again, from an arrangement standpoint, we kind of realized, oh man, the power of including acoustic guitar with these jazz boxes uh, is is really interesting. And and we we kind of I don't know what prompted us to do that. I mean, I know we all played acoustic guitar. It might especially have been Brady's influence with uh, his uncle Jeff Traugott, 
uh, that sort of are an influence for us to include acoustic guitar. But I don't remember there being a huge like uh, reference point for us back then in terms of how to arrange for guitars. Would you agree with that, John? Yeah, I remember um, Carlos Rivera, who has since gone on to win an Emmy for Queen's Gambit being the composer on that show. He wrote some pieces for us because we were part of that protege program. And remember, we talked a lot about it. It's always interesting when another he and he's actually a guitarist, but he's predominantly a composer. And when somebody just writes for a guitarist to, to play guitar versus, you know, we looked at like how we were playing the instruments, the kind of rhythm sound, the sort of attack that we all got. Um, you know, and it, it, it's always hard. It's like trying to make that translation into the music and writing for our ensemble. I think early on we found that if we all just kind of experiment with the instruments that we have, and Brady had that awesome Traugott guitar that had just this certain sound to it. Um, Matt Roberts played a lot of acoustic guitar then too. Yeah. And, you know, you and I were pretty much only playing jazz boxes, um, nylon string maybe a little bit. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, we were like, let's use what we have and really like, ex and like as Matt said in that rehearsal one day, Perry, that was that was like the meteor that hit the planet for me. It was like, we got to expand the sound of this group from just like four arch top guitars to like acoustic. And, and you know, we even tried singing in the group early on. So yeah, man, it's yeah. it was quite a journey. Pedals, effects, all that, all that good stuff. And yeah. I mean, from an arranging standpoint, I'm still sort of thinking... Uh, even though I'm using the acoustic guitar as sort of like a percussive and harmonic element, I'm still sort of thinking of like melody and then another guitar playing that melody, maybe an octave down, and then a third guitar playing some sort of harmony to that. So it's good to harmonize things in thirds and sixes. I try to avoid using like too many fourths and fifths in the harmonization of stuff because you don't mm -hmm. hear the chord quality quite as well. Yeah. So a lot of what you're hearing when you see these or hear these harmonized lines uh, are intervals of thirds and sixes and then maybe an octave below the melody as well if we're, if we're able to have a third part. Yeah. So, you know, in some ways that's still a rather sophomoric way of arranging. I'm, I'm still kind of set in some traditional things. And the next track that I wanted to highlight from an arrangement standpoint, I feel like sort of stylistically opened up our band into a new way of arranging. And, I th and this is one from John. And I feel like the influence from this comes from, partly comes from the David Pritchard ensemble that you were playing in at the time. So let's mm -hmm. listen to this. It should be familiar to all of us. So this is uh, John's original California from our acoustic yeah. album, which was our third album. And uh, this was sort of the first time we'd become a trio, which I thought uh, opened up some new ideas for the arrangement possibilities between the three guitars as opposed to four. We all could play a little bit more. But this concept of sort of cascading parts that sort of interlock together, John, can you talk a little bit about sort of that arrangement concept? Yeah, um, well, when Matheny came to SC in 05, we did the Steve Reich 
um, electric counterpoint for 29 guitars, and we did it in the UUC church. And I remember that sound of all... I played like steel string part four, and then we had like four bass players. It was amazing to hear like a guitar orchestra. And that got me thinking a lot about motoric guitar playing and um, different trains, that album too, Pat Metheny overdubbing himself. Um, So I started listening to some of this music, which was kind of bizarre because a lot of that minimalist music... You know, it's it's not super melodic. It's it's very textural, and um, just kind of invokes this sort of um, tension the whole time. But I I got way into it, and then yeah, I, I also met David Pritchard when I graduated from school, um, who is interestingly enough somebody who played in like Gary Burton's band and uh, has a tune in the Real Book called Henninger Flats. Um, but David wrote for acoustic guitar ensemble and had all these arrangements where the parts would have these phasing things where you'd yeah. stay on one part and then other parts would kind of move around it. And it was such a cool sound. Um, but again, like New West, it took special players to play in that group. Um, it was a really technically demanding ensemble for me at the time, even more technical than New West. And just in terms of getting all those picking parts down and, um, yeah, that got me thinking about California. There's a couple other songs I wrote back then, um, you know, that, that had that sort of part and, uh, it's something I think about in, in other kinds of writing, but it's also something that really only works if you're playing with just like a guitar, like a choir of guitar players or maybe a bass player. It's really hard to kind of integrate that I've found into like with drummers and other, right. other types of instruments. Cause it's, it's so textural, you know, exactly. that, that's written. Exactly, yeah. that the, the sort of textures of the guitar can more easily come out at those quieter volumes when they're accompanied by other guitar players. And so you've kind of seen in these just three examples, the first starting with all the things you are, where we're going from something that's a little bit more traditional based in uh, the language of bebop and sort of the influence of big band and saxophones, solis and things like that, to... Uh, shadow play, which is sort of more of a still, still a like kind of role-based type of arranging, uh, and then California, which kind of opened us up into this cascading, almost waterfall-sounding like way of arranging, which is really effective. The next tune, I think, combines a little bit of that with sort of this idea to kind of capture a groove, which is really important from an arrangement standpoint. You know, when you're arranging for guitars, you've got to think about if there's no bass or drums happening, how are you going to establish the groove? And a big part, that, a big way that we've done that is with the acoustic guitar. So you, you all will recognize this one. Let's check this out. cover of a song that served us really well for lots of years. That's John's arrangement of Everybody Wants to Rule the World. And Will, let me just throw it to you to kind of 
talk about that idea of transitioning in an arrangement from playing like a melody or a part to then playing a groove or going into the solo. That's a big thing that we sort of require of players in the band. From an arrangement standpoint, it's tricky. How did you kind of learn to adapt to that so quickly? Well, this group is interesting because this is a perfect example of how the single notes are the rhythm part. Yeah. Right? I've never been in a situation where that has to be there for 90% of the song. That's the that's part of the rhythm part. Yeah. Um, it's not, you know, John's playing the chords, you're playing the melody. And now if I were to open that up, it's, like you said, a little more cascading. But the whole thing with New West and, like, you know, kind of calibrating myself getting into that mindset is like the damper the damper pedal aka the palm even how we end it exactly so those are just so many deeper dimensions just in that one phrase that this band implements that you don't get to like fine-tune in other ensembles so that was that was a big learning curve for sure it's been a learning curve for all of us i mean we've sort of learned how to arrange for the band through trial and error, you know, bringing in something, Mm -hmm. not being aware that, oh, if we actually use our palm to dampen this part, it has the effect that we want, or it adds a new effect that we weren't aware Mm -hmm. of. So yeah, these are all things that you can utilize in arranging for guitars, uh, whether it be, you know, different instruments, different kinds of effects, uh, whether you're muting or not. The muting really helps because it does add that percussive element that, you know, yep. when you're just arranging for guitars can oftentimes be missing. Um, the next song that I wanted to play uh, is also from the same album. Uh, and it sort of incorporates our continued journey to expand the sound. So now we have three different guitars happening. We have acoustic, we have nylon string, and we have electric. And so this is another tool you can use when arranging for guitars is really everyone playing a different instrument. Uh, We also experimented with different tuning on this song. John's playing an F tuning and playing fingerstyle. And we really tried to, I remember, level up our technical sort of ability (laughs) with this one. So let's hear a little bit of uh, John's song, Evergreen. So here we are 
three albums later and we're trying to arrange instead of just four jazz guitar players playing boxes playing you know kind of more traditional stuff we're now into playing three different types of guitars different tunings uh different right hand techniques all around and uh, we're arranging things where the harmony is different. It's an original song. We're going into different meters. So it's really like the playbook has opened. Uh, and John, can you just talk a little bit about like conceiving that arrangement and, and sort of how it evolved over the years for you? Yeah. I mean, I think as we've, you know, I'm curious to get your guys' thoughts on this too. I think as we get older and we get deeper into this career, like we start drawing on early, early, early influences of like way back when we first played the guitar. I mean, uh, you know, I've certainly like with my own records, like Ponderosa and stuff, I've gone back to like including more of a folk element to what I do, yeah. more acoustic guitar, more finger picking, because there's something for me that just helps um, make me feel like the music I'm making is super authentic to just my life rather than like something kind of like what, like a zone I'm in at that one particular time. Um, and Evergreen is kind of one of those pieces for me, like All My Belongings or other tunes I've brought into New West where there's actual finger style guitar work on there because um, I love playing finger style guitar. Uh, to me, it still feels like the most natural way to sit down and just play the guitar without a pick. Um, and so in bringing that into New West, there's a huge challenge because as we all know, and I mean, we talk about this on the road, like standing up and uh, first of all, with not being seated and playing finger style accurately is really tricky. And I'm not talking about just like folksy Travis style picking. I'm talking about like intense finger style, technical stuff with the right hand, baseline motion. And um, it's really hard to pull off. And then you couple that with the sound in the venue, you couple that with just like being tired and then also switching from playing an arch top and then going to that. So Evergreen was kind of a, I knew was going to be sort of an epic lifelong new West challenge for me. And here we are all these years later and I'm still trying to get that part down. I think I can name on one hand, how many times I've, I've gotten done with that tune at a show and been like, yes, did it. Yeah. <laughs> and we know those moments that I've looked at you guys and I've just been like, wow, <laughs> Finally got it, you know, and I, I shed that tune so much before our tours. I got to start shedding it now for our dates yeah. in April, you know, but yeah, it's, it's a, it, I knew it was going to be a challenge. And then the alternate tuning actually makes it easier because, um, there's less fretting I'm doing. Um, there's less actual technical work in the left hand. I'm letting a lot of the tuning do the harmonic work for me and divvying up anything beyond that to the other parts yeah. um, really helped. Um, so that, that open F tuning for me is, is pretty cool and it's fun to experiment with that, you know, but it's, you know, be it, careful. Don't try that at home. You know, it, it was also <laughs> a good moment for us to realize the power of three different guitars and how you can combine not just a, an acoustic guitar with two boxes or all acoustic guitars, but we could combine nylon string, we could combine steel string, and we could combine the box. And we're like, ooh, that's a really nice sound when you put it all together. Um, yeah. So that was another way in which you can sort of expand your understanding of arranging for guitars. That combo, nylon string, steel string, and electric, especially a box, is a winning combo in my opinion. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, another arrangement that sort of helps flex our technical abilities on the guitar is something I brought in called Train Bump. And with this one, I'm really trying to find a way to arrange for the guitar to make the rhythm element feel like a train that was really the 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 emphasis behind 
what this uh, song could accomplish. And then the lead part, I just sort of wanted to go for it and see what would happen if we really did something that is almost at the time seemed outrageous. But over a lot of years, Will and I have have dug into it, and we've all got to sound pretty good. Um, but this recording was before Will was in the band. I think this recording is actually just John and I playing all these parts. So here we go. Take oh, a little, yeah. little listen. That's right. that guy who's that guy burning it up on there huh <laughs> perry stein perry stein man how many you, times you let you... the cat out of the bag i mean we, we that that was going to be a trade secret in new west that that is only two people of new west Uh-oh. can i chime in on this arrangement uh um, yes yeah you can but first like first when we tell were... me though how many times have you heard me play that opening lick on the break I mean, I hear that opening lick on every opening lick of yours. So I used um, to be my go-to, man. Last August, when we were running that with a metronome, it was so telling where we tend to speed up yeah. during that solely live. Yes, like there are parts like that solely is is and that's one of the hard parts. Of, was one of the hard parts about joining and integrating into this trio was. There are phrases that just want to move faster or that naturally move faster. That, you know, I basically sang any part of that solely right there. But like, there's parts that speed up or slow back down. Same with the I'll Remember April solely. So it's really interesting to take those and just shed them with a metronome and go, whoa, I need to back this up. Yeah. Yeah, Now, I mean, that recording you heard, we were doing it with a click. I remember we were doing it right at 300, and that was like a, a, uh, Uh, sort of point of contention but it was sort of right where john and i were in the wheelhouse on this and you know it does bring up a good point like if you're going to arrange for guitars and you're going to write something that technical you have to account for like can you actually pull this off like is it going to sound good and uh, Mm -hmm. (laughs) that was a big challenge for us but uh, speaking of sounding good this is another arrangement here this is one's from will brahm so will i want to get you know your hot take on this after we play it down and just mm. get an idea of what it was like for you to kind of bring in an arrangement after digesting so many arrangements from the group. Um, this one also features three different guitars. We've got acoustic, we've got the baritone guitar, which was a great addition to our band from an arrangement standpoint, and uh, the uh, Gibson ES-175. Here we go.
lot of great stuff here, Will. Uh, talk about sort of your arrangement process on this one and bringing it to the band. Yeah, so this tune's called Summer's Blessing, and um, I think the backbone of that song is just the like the motor yeah. of the right hand across the strings. Like, that's always kind of there, and that's definitely something that I learned to lean into in New West, right? Um, I think this this rhythm guitar part kind of takes some of, like, John's cascading California parts, yeah. and it takes some of the rhythmic backbeat-type comping yeah. that New West also does. So there's, like, these open-feeling sections and these tight-groove-feeling sections, Um that was John's idea to bring in the baritone, which I thought was brilliant because, A, he gets to play the harmonies in a completely different timbre from you yeah. on the 175 parry. Yeah. So there's no, like, blend issues. It just And then and John also gets to play some bass. Yeah. Um, and he actually improvised a lot of his rhythm parts because I basically gave him, I, if I remember, more or less um, a chord sheet. You know, I don't think I really wrote out a baritone part for him, so John really kind of came up with that intuitively. My part's kind of locked in with the voicings and the mm-hmm. rhythm, and um, and then that was your idea to add the slide, which is, I think, the only New West song that has a slide. So it's got this unique, very, like, gliding feeling to it. Yeah, yeah. You I know? Think it, yeah. I think it fits the title, and again, it, it's just an example of how you can kind of build upon um, coming from just playing the same kinds of guitars to then three different mm-hmm. guitars where you have uh, sort of a way to intertwine that sound and the groove that everyone is responsible for. And it, the result is awesome. I think it sounds sounds terrific. Uh, I want to speed through to a couple more here and then we're going to have to split out of here. But um, one of the big ways that we flexed our arranging uh, skills in the New West Guitar Group was when we collaborated with vocalists. Uh, I think it might have been our fifth or sixth album we did was called Send One Your Love with a host of incredible singers and we did a lot of performing with Sarah Gazarik and it was sort of a way to kind of go back to our roots a little bit and arrange some more standards but try and do them in uh, a more elevated way with an elevated concept and we had a fourth voice to add obviously this one's featuring the great singer Sarah Gazarik so let's take a listen to this one this is After You've Gone after you've gone, after you've gone away, oh, after you've gone and left me crying, after you've gone, there's no denying, you feel fine, you were blind to let somebody go and change your mind. All through the years, all kinds of weather, through joy and tears, we've been together. Someday, blue and downhearted, your heart will break like mine right back where you started. After you've gone, after you've gone away. Thank you. 
man, there we are. Tempo day subculture. A live take, <laughs> a live take of after you've gone. Yeah, in, in New York at a venue called Subculture, and uh, it was fun to kind of be able to really kind of go back in time a little bit and think about our band um, from like a big band standpoint, from like a, being more like a sax section, and then of course my favorite thing, the naked solely, where the rhythm just drops out and the three of us are just like, you know knocking some frets down uh playing playing this solely together and it's fun to hear that i mean will based on what you were talking about earlier about certain parts speeding up and slowing oh, down man. in live performance you can hear it on on that one you can definitely hear it but yeah it did give us an opportunity to kind of learn from that arrangement and really learn how to lock that part in so you know one thing i want to stress is through the arranging that we've done we've also learned a lot about how to kind of overcome the challenges within these arrangements. And that's a wonderful thing to kind of take away for people that are trying to arrange for guitar is that you may have a big challenge ahead of you that you have to learn from when you write something down. And that's part of the part of the journey for sure. And the last one I want to play, I think is sort of indicative of where we are a little bit more as a trio these days. Um, this is another standard called I'll Remember April, and it sort of features that so sense of rhythm um, and then also the ability to kind of abandon the foundation of the rhythm and then play a solely. So we'll hear a little bit of this one before we uh, pop out of here. cooking there at the end that that was probably us playing in like 20 like 18 i want to say or something like that that is so fast it was, compared to how we play it now it was in los angeles yeah. yeah but what i love about that one and and john i mean like chime in here but what i love about that one is sort of how we've established the groove over a long period of time and how we've learned to kind of arrange together on the spot in some ways um to just sort of play a tune like that you know oh definitely and um yeah, like uh, I, f I feel like some of the some of the stuff that has kind of pushed New West forward has actually been us playing a certain way on a gig, and then we listen back to it the next time. I'm like, wow, that kind of that works. Like that rhythm part, like when you guys all just kind of like contribute to the rhythm. Yeah. Uh, guitar. I mean, it's kind of a throwback to 
I don't know, the way that Django played in a lot of ways. I mean, everybody who played with Django Reinhardt and Stefan Grappelli was a rhythm player, <laughs> even though there was mm-hmm. a, a designated rhythm guitar player. And yeah, yeah. I think that's kind of cool in New West how we've done that. And that's come from listening back. And then, uh, I don't know about you guys, but a lot of times I take these techniques onto other gigs I do, like duo gigs and, and stuff, and it's, it's always fun. I, I almost feel like a greater sense of responsibility of being a rhythm player in other bands because of all the work I've done in New West. You know, I feel like uh, showing up to the gig and doing more rhythm guitar work um, yeah. than, I would, than a lot of guitar players would ordinarily, you know. From an arrangement standpoint, when we went, to a trio, it really kind of put the opportunity on one of us or all three of us at different times to really try to establish a solid ability of rhythm guitar. And, and that mm-hmm. still is something we're, we're all really passionate about. That's right. um, Will, any final thoughts on, on sort of the writing and arranging for this group uh, before we pop out of here? Similar to what John said, I mean, yeah, this band is, is a boot camp on how to play without a drummer. Yeah. You know, quite simply. Yeah. And yeah, the arrangements have to um, sort of support that concept in, in, in every way. So uh, thank you, everybody, all the listeners for tuning in and continuously tuning in. Uh, it's really awesome to see the podcast continue to grow. And uh, those of you on Patreon, thank you for supporting us every month. You're getting uh, video access to what we do. So uh, hopefully that is benefiting you. Everyone yeah, we t- also just put up some new videos this week, so check out for our, exclusive for our Patreon followers yeah. some of our remote some of our re- remote recordings. I put one up yesterday, and there's going to be another one up later this week. So now's a great week to sign up on Patreon uh, if you haven't already. Yeah, absolutely. Join the community, help us out. Um, and next week we're going to be talking about uh, a very fun topic. This is going to be all about amplifiers next week. So let's show up and be uh, loud and proud, fellas. What do you say? Mm-hmm. Or for jazz, uh, quiet and dark. Quiet, actually. <laughs> a, little, a little different, but we'll take it. All right, see you dark. guys.